That's not our. That's a, we have rules. Okay. <laughs> we have rules. All right. We have rules. Well, You're not we allowed to make CC comparisons. No problem. But I just. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Saget. Yes, I know who I am. Did IQs just drop shot? I could have been. I have plans. I like this All shit. Is you know it's Dance off, bro. It is your Me and destiny. You. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Hello and welcome to Atlantic Screen Connection with Jason and Lee. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And welcome to episode 12, where we decided to talk about Doctor Strange instead of Magnolia and Punch Out <laughs> because we we were just to... We just, we just like messing with the audience. Yeah, exactly. We're like <laughs> keeping you on your toes. So that's it. It was just more a question of... Uh, it was fresh in my mind. I figured, you know what? We're going to do that uh, this week instead. And plus, we have a guest on the show today who's not with us right now, but will be with us during the second portion. We're actually talking about Doctor Strange. You might remember him from Film Faculty's Real Table Talks when we were doing those episodes. His name is Jason Beaulieu. And uh, he saw Doctor Strange. He happened to be at the same showing I was last night. And so I said, hey, do you want to come over and talk about about Doctor Strange and he said sure thing so once we get our first segment out of the way of what did you watch this week Jason will be on to talk Doctor Strange it's, with us it's actually great too because uh, Jason uh, has a has a, a slight background role with um, Atlantic Screen Connection he did our theme he's our he's our theme tune guy you're absolutely right yeah he did write the music for our theme that was awesome how have you been Lee told me you were feeling under the weather today yeah I've had a little bit of a stressful week at work so I'm a bit um, throaty but uh, if, I, if I start to sound you know a little rough just just bear with me he'll be fine he'll be okay uh but yeah I, i've been good how's yourself jason i've been doing well as uh it wasn't a big week at school this week i had a couple of things to teach here and there obviously because that's my job but uh <laughs> yeah i've finally ended my goddamn correcting nightmare uh, only to have it restart again on tuesday this next week there when i'm gonna when you guys hear this I'll have been handed in another 75 essays to correct. For the love of so God. So I'll start bitching about that again soon. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had a, It was pretty easy this week, actually. I, I spent some really fun time with my girlfriend. The kids are back. And uh, we'll have them on just a little bit later to tell us how they felt about Doctor Strange. Yeah. Because I have now decided to take them to the movies I want to see. We haven't, yeah. <laughs> so that's it. We haven't, had, we haven't had one of your kids on since uh, we did a little. What did we watch on Finding Dory? So it'll be, it'll be great to hear them again and get their opinion because this is an important one to get, oh, a, yeah, definitely. get a child's perspective on. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. I, I hundred percent agree, and it's going to be an interesting point. I'll have both of them on. My, my daughter's names are Ali and Mia. Mia being the eldest and Ali being the youngest. And so uh, it'll be fun to see where Doctor Strange fits into the MCU according to them. So that's it. Looking forward to it. Excellent. So we don't want to bore the audience too much with whatever the fuck's going on in our lives anyway. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, these bastards. I don't care about their problems. What did you watch? <laughs> Right, so what, what, did, what did you watch, Jason? I watched three things. Uh, first thing uh, I watched was Incarcerating U.S. I had seen the trailer a while back and... Um, I'd been meaning to watch the movie uh, for quite some time. It came out in September and it seems to fit in with Ava DuVernay's 13th 
people are starting to talk about the uh, prison system in the United States and how there needs to be some sort of, uh, how can we put it? Reform. Yeah, a reform. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. A reform on how uh, mandatory minimums locking up minor offenders uh, since 1986 uh, have started to affect the population in the United States in a very, very bad way. Mm. Um, and so Incarcerating U.S., I thought, was a very interesting documentary that really put forth a lot of the stuff that they were talking about in terms of mandatory minimums throughout, well, the 20-year period that it's, it's been installed. Sure. 20 years? No, 30 years now. Mm. 30 years. I, I'm young. I, I'm trying to pretend I'm younger than I am. <laughs> so, so and so, yeah, they say that the it all started with the war on drugs and how that has led to mass incarceration. And they said that uh, in incarcerating U.S., there's a, uh, a couple of people that had worked in government. There are people that are working in reform right now that are trying to get mandatory minimums, not necessarily thrown out the window, but reassessed so that um, drug users aren't necessarily treated as criminals. Because yeah. they're locking up more people using drugs than they are locking up people that are selling drugs, which is like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no sense. And so uh, they talked about how the mandatory minimum uh, actually takes his takes the judge out of the equation and leads to incons inconsistencies with how uh, people are sent to jail. So it's a bit weird. I I'm going to have to rewatch it because there's a lot of information in there, but I can't say that it didn't have a good time. I really, really appreciated Incarcerating US. And if you guys get a chance to watch it, I'll try to post a link or something like that so that you guys can check the trailer. But yeah, I really, really had a pleasant time. And like I said with to you, it fits in with what Ava DuVernay did with 13. Yeah. It's a really good complimentary uh, film that adds a little bit more uh, to uh, what Duvernay did with Thirteenth. Uh, yeah, that's what that's what I wanted to ask. It was was it a good supplement to Thirteenth for even? Would you would you recommend people watch Thirteenth first or Incarcerating U.S. if you had to choose? I would say if I had to choose, I'd say watch Thirteenth first right. because I think that the subject matter in Thirteenth is is um, how can I put it? Uh, it's a lot more devastating. Right. I think that in Thirteenth, Duvernay presents the problem as it is mm. and how the mass incarceration of black people in the United States is essentially the continuation of slavery, mm -hmm. which was... Jesus, I, I was eye-opening to me. It was uh, actually very tragic. I felt terrible upon watching that movie. Right. Incarcerating U.S. takes what they're talking about in terms of mandatory minimum and shedding light as to how mass incarceration has destroyed lives yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I would say watch 13th because the subject matter in there really deals with, with prejudice, whereas incarcerating U.S. deals with the prison as a problem and it brings a little bit more of a... It tries to bring solutions to the problem a little bit. Right, more. So right. I would say it's like a part two to 13th. Okay, great. One out of four human beings with their hands on bars, shackled, in the world are locked up here in the land of the free. Khalif Browder was walking home from a party when he was stopped by police. Then they said, we're going to take you to the precinct, and most likely we're going to let you go home. And then I never went home. 13th Amendment to the Constitution makes it unconstitutional for someone to be held as a slave exceptions, including criminals. The loophole was immediately exploited. 
What you got after that was a rapid transition to a mythology of black criminality. Some people got the real problem. Animals, beasts that needed to be controlled. You better believe it. I'm only human. It became virtually impossible for a politician to run and appear soft on crime. The kinds of kids that are called super predators. Millions of dollars will be allocated for prison and jail facilities. Three strikes and you are out. It was an enormous burden on the black community, but it also violated a sense of core fairness. Some got the real the states were required to keep these prisons filled, even if nobody was committing a crime. Some it's so difficult to talk about mass incarceration because it has become heavily monetized. The focus is on taking people from prison, putting them in community corrections, parole and probation. How much progress is it really if now there's a private company making money off the GPS monitor? now have more African-Americans under criminal supervision than all the slaves back in the 1850s. We are the products of the history that our ancestors chose. Products of that set of choices that we have to understand in order to escape from it. After all, don't put the blame on me. So I don't know, how did you feel about 13? Yeah, I was going to say, I I think I'll mention it now because it seems um, the right time. Because it is one of my things I've seen this week. I did sit down and watch 13, which was something uh, you talked about last week on the show. But unfortunately, because of the audio issues, we had to cut it. Uh, But yeah, what you were saying at the time is is exactly what I... um, got from the show it is a it is a harsh strong film very powerful you know very impactful it, and absolutely necessary viewing this is a an important film that even if you think that you are well first on the subject even if you think that you know everything there is to know about prison system in america and its foibles and and the the thesis that Ava DuVernay uh, puts out there for people. Still watch this film, because it either surprises you with some information you don't know, or it it shows us the same information in what is a very accessible but also gripping manner. And I think that's important because it's it's not made to impress intellectuals. It's made to it's made to be pushed out to the to the mass public, you know, disseminated to get the point across to yeah. as many people as possible. And I think from that angle, it's it's an incredibly smart film in how it goes about it. It doesn't sit down and work out where all these facts are coming from. It doesn't give citation a lot, but it does give us the important details right at your face. So that that's what you take in, and that's all that matters for this part of the discussion. As to lead to to supplements that would later on, you know, expand where to go and what to do after the fact, which is what I was interested in hearing about from incarcerating US is uh, hearing whether it details a little further the system or some solutions to the problem because we didn't get that in thirteen. We just got the problem and it's horrifying entirety uh but yeah i i love yeah i didn't need to go farther than that yeah exactly so i i love the film and i I would recommend it to everybody absolutely everybody but yeah glad we you know glad we both seen that one now yeah i can't agree more with you i mean this is necessary viewing on the scale where it should be shown in schools yeah oh yeah should be shown in schools as as part of an education curriculum because it is part of the history of the united states now and duvernay has uncovered something that I'm pretty sure that a lot of corporations that have basically, they've been pointed out Mm -hmm. hardcore in that documentary as being part of the problem, you know, where you see these prisons that are now, they're not prisons anymore. They're factories. 
Yeah, yeah. Right? There are these places that people go where they're sent, they work for nothing, and they have to produce a lot of the material that these people are using. And plus the inflation of prices, you know, all the people that are bringing food into the prison, all the people that are creating the mattresses for the prisons and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, all of the companies that are furnishing these prisons are making a fuck ton of money. And it's just terrible that that would be a viable option. It was supposed to be a place where a, a correction facility, that's what a prison is supposed to be. It's a correction facility where people are supposed to go to learn how to live according to what society's rules are, good or bad. Now, the problem with it is that they've mass incarcerated these people and they try to keep more people in jail because it's profitable. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's And DuVernay horrifying. actually goes as far as to say that she brings up statistics like one out of three uh, black people will have been arrested at one point or have been interrogated by the police. That is terrible. Baffling. 40% of the prison population is black. You're like, Jesus Christ, where the hell? <laughs> what are they doing? This... I thought it was an illusion, and when when she when I watched the documentary, I was like, I felt stupid for yeah. not knowing this stuff. It, it, it's it, it terrible, makes, terrible, terrible. Makes you feel like an idiot for makes you feel naive for hoping for better. Yeah, oh, you know, perfect. Yeah. It, well, it made it made the two of us feel naive, and I'm sure a lot of listeners who haven't seen it, they're going to have the same reaction. So that's it's it, it's important if you haven't seen it, definitely get out there and see it because it's eye opening. I've seen enough documentaries this year to say that this should be the only nomination and the only winner for an academy award with everything that's been going down in the recent years uh, with with regards to black people you know and oscar's so white and this isn't this isn't capitalizing on anything right now this is just goddamn time for there to be a change and duvernay's message with 13th is exactly that it's time to stand up it's time to change we can't do this anymore 13th and if you watch 13th watch incarcerating us after there are very good complimentary things i'd say the one that has the most heft is definitely 13th because the message is a slap in the face yeah mm -hmm. incarcerating us is more of presenting the facts and trying mm -hmm. to navigate solutions to a certain extent sure so yeah all right moving on because we we don't want people to they're like aren't they supposed to be talking about Doctor Strange? <laughs> i thought this heavy. show was fun <laughs> exactly. i just like hearing about dr about strange incarceration <laughs> exactly uh, oh, so God. let's see now what else did i watch i watched oh sneakerheads i watched another documentary called sneakerheads which is about the people in the world that have massive sneaker collections but yeah it's basically like there are there are these sneakers out there like baseball cards and comic books and anything that's a collectible there are sneakers that uh, that, that people have basically sneaker vaults where they keep thousands and thousands upon thousands of sneakers sure. uh is it an interesting documentary sure it's fun is it a necessary documentary i don't even think having that that many pairs of sneakers is necessary <laughs> so <laughs> have fun watching it who you would know, benefit uh, most from seeing it oh man that's a good uh i don't know <laughs> I have no, clue. I no can't, one <laughs> i don't uh, you're right. You got me, man. I can't even recommend this. To, what like about a, people I've, with uh, collecting problems, with collecting addictions? Would they gain... Hoarders? Yeah. Would hoarders gain something from seeing it, re their reflection? No. It would just justify what they do more. They'd be like, oh, at least it's really? not sneakers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, wow fair enough right, listen man I, I have a couple of Star Wars figures lying around I have a collection of movies and Ninja Turtles and whatnot. I have all that lying around here yeah. and I mean I, I understand the, the collector's mentality or, or 
or the psychology behind collecting the shoes however i i don't know to me it's just another thing i know there's a there's someone out there that collects spoons and there's another person that collects caps another one that collects sunglasses and i get it i'll wait for those documentaries too and when i'm feeling sleepy at night i'll put that on too sneakerheads was a fun time it's not something i'll be revisiting because i there was nothing compelling about it they didn't sell me on whether or not this was supposed to be something good that they were doing. It makes them feel good about themselves. That's great. There is a whole subculture of people that are collecting something that's different than what you're collecting. That's all it was. So fun time, I guess. Can I recommend it? I mean, if you got nothing else to do and you've exhausted every single thing that you could possibly watch, then Sneakerheads is probably something you might want to delve into. Anything else? Anything else? Uh, nope. That's it for this week. I'm assumed. Oh. What about you, sir? Yeah, so I've seen, uh, well, I've seen three films this week, but I've already spoken about 13th, so I'm happy with that. Another film I've seen is, uh, The Light Between Oceans. Uh, right. I, I didn't, I didn't write down the director's name, but I remember it's, uh, it's Michael Fassbender and Alicia Vikander. Uh, it's based off a novel of the same name. And it, it, it's been out, I think, in on your side of things for maybe a month or so. Uh, definitely in America, but it's only out in the UK this week. So uh, I, I got to see it earlier this week. And uh, it was uh, it was okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a solid relationship piece. I, I think it's it does a good job at establishing its two primary characters. And it centers around uh, this notion of loss. It does a, I mean, a fairly representable job of... Um, getting into all a lot of the different shapes that loss can take you know grief and longing and uh guilt it plays heavily on the characters and their and their relationship and the general story is lighthouse man marries a girl they can't have children and one day a, a child appears in a boat uh to the island that they live on on their own and so the debate is do they try to find the the original parents or do they keep the child which they want uh i think it's a i think it's a good film i I think it's something that definitely if if you like slow burn relationship pieces that can be at times a little heavy-handed i uh i think it's it's uh an okay recommendation for people i felt that the pacing was off on it i think it spent the right amount of time roughly establishing the relationship between the two characters but it does a rush job at establishing their horrifying grief that the mother goes through when she can't have children and it does uh it's it, it moves a little too fast to carry the themes that are so grand for the remainder of the film from about the halfway point which um is a bit of a shame it definitely it said to me that it was uh the kind of film that works best as a novel i had this feeling that it took the time a little more to get to know the characters and how they were feeling in each situation because it had to fit the format of a movie i don't think it worked so well it does an admirable job but i don't think it it, it certainly it didn't feel like it it was the necessary medium to tell this story and so for that i feel that if you're going to check out, if, the, if any of that appeals to you, that sort of hard, introspective look on loss, you might be better spending the longer time with the book version, which I haven't read. I would imagine it does a better job of getting the, the particulars down than the film does. And that's that's basically where I stand. I give it a B in my review, so I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Derek Cian France, the director, he's the guy who like directed Blue Valentine, and he also directed uh, The Place Between the Pines. And although I did enjoy Blue Valentine, I've never understood the praise that The Place Beyond the Pines gets, because that's a very boring fucking movie. And... It tries to be it tries to be epic, but the the plotline is so convoluted 
that it makes you try to care about these people and it just doesn't make any sense the decisions that most of the characters go through in the in the movie are are completely they're unnecessary i find that right they push they push the characters in directions where you're like that doesn't make any sense you know and so, so you would say it's a bit uh, I, contrived uh very it's contrived it's boring it's unnecessary and not worth viewing and <laughs> there that's you go. it so well, the, there's a review. when i <laughs> when i saw that Derek San Francis putting out the light between oceans i was like oh there's a movie i'm going to miss cuz i just didn't yeah. care i i know what kind of movie I, that guy I, I makes think... and, it, and it just it's melodrama it's melodrama i, I think this is a movie for you to skip i the way you it's the way that I've never seen those previous two films, but I think that what I gained a lot from the pacing and the tone of the of the thing, it would lose you in particular yeah. completely for those very reasons. I think a little bit of the drama can be a bit contrived at yeah. times, and it is a slow burn that doesn't pay off to nearly as much as it should. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's it. So I mean, no, I was gonna planning on skipping it. I know David Hart watched it. He wrote a review for Film Faculty, which I thank him for. And uh, he, I don't think he had much to say about it either. I mean, I think he gave it a three on five, where he was like, mm. "This was supposed to be better than it was," because he actually enjoyed uh, uh, the Place Beyond the Pines, uh, which is a, a discussion I haven't had with him. I like Blue Valentine. I thought it was interesting. It was heartbreaking. It was good. But now it's three movies down the same vein. I'm, I'm looking for him to kind of try to do something else so right. yeah I, I appreciate you warning me in advance to stay away from it <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome the last film i've seen this week i only seen today so i haven't even got my review thoughts down i haven't uh, really processed what i think about it the film was called nocturnal animals it's it was directed by tom ford uh it came out uh this week as well in the uk I, I, i'm not even sure if it's out in the u.s and canada and so i haven't on. checked I, either I, I, I never really checked I haven't seen a lot of reviews for it yet, so I, I don't think it is. But I thought it was a, a really good film. Now, I'll say that tentatively because I want to think about the themes of it a little more before I really, really recommend it to people. But basically, the plot is uh, a woman who had a previous lover. The, the lover sends her a draft of his upcoming... I think it's a novel, although it kind of looked like a screenplay that she opened. Either way, and from that point onwards, the story takes three perspectives. Her in the present day, her relationship flashback with the, the writer, and the narrative of the, of the novel slash film itself. Uh, and it kind of juxtaposes uh, the three stories and they culminate to a certain degree towards the end. I, I thought it was a, a very effective film. Performances are great. It looked gorgeous. It had a lot of interesting themes that I, I, I really do want to see if they hold up. I want to, I want to follow them. I want to write them down for a bit and follow them to, to their conclusive ends and see if they really support each other. But from what I can tell from a first impression standpoint, I think it's one of the better films of this year, Ooh. if not one of the really good films of this year. I, it kind of felt like at first, if the neon demon had had a plot and had scrapped its visual reliance. So it's, yeah, that's, that's a hard uh, comparison to make because that's like saying it, just, it was the Neon Demon without the things though. that make the Neon Demon. But I, I would say it carries a lot of that same tonal strength about it. You know, Ooh. it carries a lot of its themes very well through its characters. Right. And the way it plays with its narrative, I found very arresting. I hesitantly say, at the very, very least, 
check this out when it comes your way because it's definitely an interesting film. There's no way I can debate that. And uh, I have a feeling you in particular will uh, really enjoy it. I love, yeah. I liked Tom Ford's visual aesthetic. Just on, on Michael Shannon's performance in this film alone, I feel it will definitely win you over. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of dings in my head right now. Ding! Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the second film after Midnight Special I've seen him in this year that I've just been blown away by the man. I think he is incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, and of course, I've always loved Amy Adams and, and Jake Gyllenhaal, who are fantastic again in this film. I, I, I love them both in a lot of the work they've done. So, yes, definite recommendation to see. I'm going to basically be nitpicking after that point. I don't think they can really say it's a bad film. I just think it's maybe not as great a film as I wanted it to be. Okay. Yeah, that's my take so far. But I'll, I'll get back to everybody on that when I do my review. Excellent. That's fair enough, man. Like I said, I've seen Tom Ford's previous movie called The Single Man. And although I liked the, the movie itself, uh, I, I enjoyed Colin Firth's performance. I enjoyed how Ford had shot the film. And that's it. So I had no idea he was actually putting something new out. And now you're mentioning this, Noc Nocturnal Animals. And I'm like, oh, well, that, that's something to look forward to for me. Because I really liked his visual style in, in his previous film. And now that you yeah. mentioned that Michael Shannon's in it, I was like, oh, well, there you go. Like, that's, you just hit, <laughs> keep hitting like the, yeah, the right yeah. notes there. Ding, ding. Yeah. Really <laughs> exactly. looking forward to that so that I can actually uh, delve into it. But definitely, Good, uh, this is something I'm putting on my long ass list. But I, uh, I'll get to it. For a hundred percent sure, this looks like right. it's right up my alley. So, does that round everything up? I'm good. So that's it. So, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to put on the trailer for Doctor Strange for you guys. Let's get psychic, mystic, astral, whatever. We'll see you guys in just a bit. Doctor Strange, you think you know how the world works? What if I told you the reality you know is one of many? This doesn't make any sense. Not everything does. Not everything has to. Through the mystic arts, we harness energy and shape reality. We travel great distances in an instant. How do I get from here to there? How did you become a doctor? Study and practice years of it. There's a strength to him. But is he ready? Careful which paths you travel down, Strange. Stronger men than you have lost their way. I am death. In pain. You'll die protecting this world. I can't do this. There is no other way. I've spent so many years hearing through time looking for you
All right, welcome back. Hope you guys enjoyed the trailer for Doctor Strange. First, I want to introduce our guest for this week, who is Jason Beaulieu. Hey, everybody. Good. Hey, thanks for having me. Our first guest. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to talk about Doctor Strange with you, sir. Uh, well, thank you. So, tell yeah. us a little bit about uh, your, your movie-going experience. Okay, well, uh, I really like the movie. I had no expectations. I, I saw the, the, the trailers and the... And I just went in there and I tried not to, I saw them once and then I, I just walked away. Right. I didn't want to know too much about the movie. I knew about Dr. Strange. I'm a Marvel fan as well. And, um, I, I walked out of there and I was, I was satisfied. I was really happy. And I'm thinking, God damn it. How does Marvel do it? You know, <laughs> they keep just hitting them out of the park. Great. Cool. What about you, Leah? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm much with Jason on this one. I, I didn't, I didn't have much expectations as I try not to have with these films, uh, because well, I mean, they're superhero films, right? You know, you know yeah. I, I personally, I've been invested with the Marvel stuff for a long time mm -hmm. now. And, uh, I genuinely am just happy that these are still being made and that they're of the quality they are. But even still, I would say this one, uh, this one was just a lot of fun. And I agree. I, I'm a sucker for a bridled imagination. And this one had lots to give off. You know, it had a lot to, lot to show. Generally, I would say maybe not the most, uh, narratively exciting, maybe if you've seen a lot of the other films, but it, to me, that doesn't matter so much. What matters is that this is a a good fantasy romp that I was invested in. I, I mean, it's like nearly two hours long, and I, I didn't feel it at all. And I think that's a huge uh, pro in its in its court, you know. So that's how I felt. How about you, Jason? Uh, normal Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with both of you, because I had no expectations. I was hoping for the best. But like I said, like I, I posted my review. I said in the review that uh, it's Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm a fan. Oh, I'm a Cumberbitch too, I guess. Uh, it's not just limited <laughs> to women, you know? And so I'm going to see him in all of his things, no matter what. And so walking into the theater, I was trying to keep uh, as much of, a, of an open mind as I could possibly have because I haven't shied away from the fact that I'm experiencing superhero fatigue. And so mm. once okay. I was sitting in the movie theater and I started realizing what kind of path they were headed down to. I was like, okay, this is another origin story. I get it. We could see it in the trailers. But there was something different. Something a little bit, Absolutely. dare I say, stranger that would have pulled me uh. in to actually watch the movie. <laughs> you know what? And so I thought it was really a fun time. I, I think, I think uh, a lot of people, without uh, moving into our, our spoiler side of things... A lot of people expected from this uh, something great visually because they saw little glimpses of it in the trailers. And right. I, I think that what Jason is saying is that it really delivered on that and then some and yeah. then some. And uh, it's not something I personally care too much about in films. I'm not a huge visual guy, you know. I care more about characters and stuff like that. But it was very impressive to me to just be to be taken on a, on a ride every now and then in this story. Yep. And it's also a big factor into what, how fun this film is because it, it, is. it plays into that creative angle. It does a lot of things I haven't seen in films before. I'm very happy to say about this film is that at least... Visually, it gets, uh, I wouldn't say uh, it's experimental, but very loose uh, and fun with what it, what it has to offer. Absolutely. 
Yeah, definitely. But that's it. I mean, it's called Doctor Strange. What are you going to expect? That's what I thought was absolutely pleasant of it is that, you know, I was talking with JD from In Session just before we started recording and I said, I like the fact that they took a concept and they had the balls to just run with it. They were like, you know what? Yeah. All right. We're going to, we have to start exploring this multiverse thing because Infinity War is coming up. Just go, 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 yeah. go. So <laughs> yeah, go out. Make them, <laughs> exactly. Plunge right into it. Let's explore these different galaxies and dimensions and all that shit. Get it out with Doctor Strange. And then we've seen a little bit with, with Thor and Asgard and things like that where we're like, okay, there is an interdimensionality mm. that's going yeah. on. But we hadn't really delved into it to this point. And I think that Doctor Strange, and we're going to get to the negatives a little bit, even though I believe that the formula has never been felt to this extent before, it is very much, yeah. very formulaic. It is. In terms of narrative, like you pointed out before, that it's, it's a little bit flimsy there. However, just the fact that they were able to adopt this visual style and the visual metaphors that I want to talk about a little bit later, it, I have to give it points for that. I really had a pleasant time because... For me, it was unexpected and it showed uh, audacity on their part to say, you know what? We trust the audience. You want to go on for a ride? Let's go. I think that there are also really strong archetypes in this story, that which is the reason why it's so much fun, because you have, you know, the arrogant Mr. Know-it-all who falls from grace and then has to claw his way back. So he goes on a journey, and that, that that's Doctor mm. Strange. Uh, the wise old mentor, Tilda Swinton, the, the, the antagonist. Like, they're all very strong archetypes. And again, with the visuals, they just... It, it, it all comes together and I don't know if it's because it's Marvel slash Disney slash Lucasfilm where they, they, they use stuff from, you know, the original Star Wars where they had these really strong archetypes and then they just, you know. I, well, to me, that's why yeah. I, th I think it works as well. I, I, it's funny you say Star Wars. I did mention that in my review. It, it has the, it does have, you're totally right with the, the patterns. archetypes of, you know, straightforward, you know, this is the hero, this is the villain, this is the love interest. It is very yep. classic yep. Yep. in that sense. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing uh, that I thought it does, and we'll get right into spoilers after this, the film does a lot of focus on world building. Yep. Oh, definitely, yes. Well, that's why I compare it most to Star Wars, because I see that first one not so much as a, a thorough well-told character story like the later ones would try to be, but a, a strong epic trying to establish an entire universe yep. and yep. maybe more exploring the imagination and the creativity it had to show more than maybe the people in it or the reasons why That's they right. do these things. A lot of the explanations of the things that we now know make sense in the first one yep. came later. And I think that that's, a, that's something Doctor Strange is gambling with yep. here. Yep. Uh, it's definitely not a, a perfect film on its own right, but it is an exciting film to be to go to a cinema and you know and enjoy on a big scale epic adventure kind of way. Yeah, well, it's it's exactly what I said about the archetypes. The pieces are in the right spots, and it's it's an entertaining ride. Yeah, that's why I was saying earlier a little bit. You know, the fact that this is the most formulaic it's felt. I mean, that's why I compared it in my review to Iron Man, and I, I'm not I'm positive I'm not the only one. I I, I don't know if you mentioned it, Lee. I forgot to reread your review before we actually take this. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. This Batman Good. Begins. Yeah. There's a lot of comparisons to be made in in comic oh, book or uh, like origin stories, uh, especially with the as uh, Jason was saying, the, the the kind of broody, somewhat antagonistic hero who has a fall from grace. Yeah. That's that's huge Iron Man. That's huge Batman Begins. There's a lot there. That's very. Yeah. Typical of uh, a modern superhero film, I would say, at this point. Well, I mean, I even traced things back all the way to The Matrix. 
you know, yeah, where yeah we're that's like, right. Oh, look at that. Yeah. We're just perception, you know, world building world in building. that way, exactly. And so, uh, even the oracle, you know, as the ancient one, you the have oracle. this idea that they're just recuperating right. the same things. To me, that's not necessarily a bad move. No. I, I would have maybe liked it to be fleshed out a little bit more to get to know other characters a little bit more. Yeah, but yeah. as you pointed out so eloquently, Lee. They were probably more interested in the world building they had to do rather than the characters that were in that world. We're not going to be exploring these characters way too long. All we need is to get Doctor Strange up and running in order to start setting up Infinity War with whatever's coming with Thanos and all that stuff. So I, I thought it was great. I would say that I, I had the same feeling as Guardians of the Galaxy last thing. Like, to me, it was very comparable to Guardians of the Galaxy. Great. Well, that's that's interesting. Oh, well, I disagree, but anyway. <laughs> you don't like <laughs> Guardians right. of the Galaxy, but whatever, right? Let's, let's do spoilers. Let's, let's fucking get nitty-gritty on this. All right, cool. Okay, H- had any of you read the comic books before? Not a one. I, I knew him through the Hulk because way back when, uh, Doctor Strange banished Hulk, different uh, dimension, and um, there was this whole series... Where he's in this weird dimension. Do you think they're headed there? Maybe. Oh, with Could be Ragnarok. Interesting. Be interesting. Yeah, because Hulk's, Hulk's due to be in that. Yep. Yeah, and what I've heard so far is that there are few elements of Planet Hulk that are going to be yeah. in Ragnarok. There's, so if that's the yeah, case, then there is that. that potential for sending them into another dimension. Yep. Um, spoilers, okay. The main villain is not Cassilius. Yeah, it is Dormammu. Dormammu. That's right. Yeah. And I thought... I thought that was a very pleasant addition. I was not expecting Dormammu, but when they start mentioning Dormammu, I was like, oh, we're going to get to see Dormammu. Nice. Yeah. And I can't stop saying Dormammu. Dormammu. Right <laughs> yeah, that's that's one thing. I've, I, I have had some, I remember now, I have had some exposure. My only exposure to Doctor Strange is through a Lego Marvel game I, I have on my PlayStation that <laughs> oh, has like nice. a mission with Doctor right. Strange. And he's there's like this slapstick back and forth between him and Dormammu. So I, I know who Dormammu nice. is, and I was really excited to see that he was being brought up so early. I, I was pretty uh, interested in that. Yeah, it's a bit weird because in the comic book he doesn't look like that at all. No. Oh no! Have you guys ever seen him? No, yeah, he's like I've a never flame head guy. Exactly, he's a tall looking guy. He wears a purple suit and he has a flaming head. And so when I saw him in the movie, I was like, okay, they've turned him into this giant galactic being. I understand why they did it. At least they kept the lines on his face, which right. was okay because that's when you're watching him in the comic when you're reading him in the comic book that's what he looks like he is an all-powerful being yeah and so I- i'm glad he was there i'm i ap- appreciated the fact that they put the effort into bringing them in all right so i i want this to be a positive review for everyone out there because i can't re- i, I want to recommend this movie and imax and everything like that but what i want to do is get the negatives out of the way so we can finish strong and so if you were to say anything negative about the film, Jason. How would you go about it? Which what what stood out to you as something that you would have improved? Okay, uh, the misplaced comedy. Oh, right. Good point. Right. Yes. Yeah, because I think that there were very interesting dramatic beats that would suddenly stop to have like a one-liner or, you know, it was mostly Benedict Cumberbatch's character, well, Strange saying like little quips to to cut or to insult the other characters. And uh, some of it was good. Some of it was funny. But other times where we had these really touching dramatic moments, they had they felt the need to to add this comedy beat that is not necessary, in my opinion. Yeah, that that's cool. something I think uh, Jason Jason's review actually said was that there's this there's this tender moment yeah. between um, Chris Christine 
And uh, strange, yeah, uh, it gets interrupted. You know, they're they're kind of moving in for a kiss, and it gets interrupted by the cape. I I didn't remember that scene, uh, but uh, it's it is a perfect example. There's nothing funny in that attempt there. And I think that's fair. Well, right after the ancient one dies, the moving the floating cape. Yeah, the cloak of levity. Actually, when he's crying, he actually wipes his tears, oh. which I thought was odd. Right, that's the one <laughs> I'm pointing to in my review, where I was like, "Come on, man." This is supposed to be a very dramatic scene and they rob you of feeling Strange's catharsis by kind of just cutting the tension just so that the audience doesn't feel bad. It's like, oh, hey, don't forget, this is supposed to be a fun movie. Yeah. And I thought that it kind of devalued what the fuck was going on at that point. Mm. Well, that's what I meant by the cloak. Uh, It's when Christine, Tilda Swinton, we we understand, dies. Uh, She walks in sees strange washing his hands she just gives this little quick look at the cloak and it's just floating there and she has this face like what the hell is this and everybody laughed in the theater and i'm like god damn it until this like the ancient one just died give me a break you know that's that's how i felt yeah (laughs) yeah i get it and i i I agree there was a couple of things that went on just a bit too long yeah with the cape especially with the cloak you know when strange is trying to when he's fighting Cassilius and the two thugs at one point that the cloak starts pulling him one way and then that you have this wide shot this establishing shot seeing him kind of doing the running man where i was like <laughs> we get it the cloak is trying to point him in a direction why are you staying on this so long it was slapstick and i didn't feel like it needed to be there i actually don't entirely agree <laughs> i i really appreciated the comedy in That's this great. film not now to be fair your example with uh, the interrupting of the of the dramatic sequences i i totally agree that's uh useless and meaningless but like even little things like the broom falling after strange teleports out and it's scary that was Christine. Great. That was fucking great. hilarious. That's very the, good. The fight, very with, good. the fight with Dormammu itself made me laugh my ass off. I I, I just I, I thought it was so funny that he kept coming back and he got Dormammu. <laughs> just I'm here to bargain. So uh, yeah, exactly. I I, I I get where you're coming from, but it, I I will be on the side of it didn't bother me so much. And that'd be that. Uh, well, I understand. I, there are comedy things that I thought were really, really good. You have to give it to him. I mean, when the, the interaction between Benedict Cumberpatch and Benedict Wong, especially, those were the fun moments yeah. where yeah. he was like, do you have a last name? You know, like, so it's just like Donald. <laughs> Beyonce. Beyonce. <laughs> Adele. Adele, exactly. And so it's kind of funny because that last one, when he says Eminem, you're not expecting him to add another one. And it was just yeah, perfect. Yeah. That was... That was comedy perfection right there. The timing was good. That's where you put your joke. Yeah, I, I thought it was... Th- those comedy moments were great. I felt that the, even the laugh at the end, even if I was somewhere in the middle, I was like, Ugh, they should have had another take because Wong sounds like he's faking it when he laughs at the end of the movie. I thought that it was earned, at least. You know, I wasn't necessarily yeah. one of those things where I was like, come on, you know? I, I thought it yeah. was cool that he would have done that i think that it should have been a little bit more natural however Fair so enough. yeah the comedy is misplaced anything else i don't know what about you lee a- anything in the movie that you found was a negative there were too many characters in my opinion here's here's an here's an idea right so we have a hero we have a hero's love interest we have a certain guy who's kind of around at the very start and that kind of has a sort of arc i guess there's uh the ancient one there's mordo there's Cassilius. There's Dormammu, there's Wong. Uh, That's a lot of named speaking roles that all play into this very fast-paced epic. And that really, unfortunately, sacrifices a lot of um, our connection with the characters that are important, which, if we had to cut it down, is 
Strange, the Ancient One, uh, Mordu, and Christine, really. I, I mean, Wong, maybe. And Cassilius, I suppose, but not necessarily for me. That's fine. I feel that there was a smarter way to write this a little. I feel like this... I feel like we didn't need Cassilius. I feel like we could have had the arc that Mordu goes through in this, where he doubts the system and ultimately pulls away. I feel that could have been the story. And that he could have taken yep. the role that Cassilius takes because it happens at the same time we don't need the intro of you know we know we don't need the five ten minute intro fight with tilda swinton you know the ancient one and Cassilius. so we've got more time for the two hours and we don't need any of this attempts to establish Cassilius because we're already with mordo we we have plenty of room to to breathe with him and we get to understand where he comes from i feel they've misstepped there i feel like we could have kept him he could have been another loki we could have he could have been a lost cause that they try to persuade back by the end of the film, and he gets away. I think there's still the potential there to bring in Dormammu. I think that that was something that could have we could have kept, but I think it should have been Mordo to really see the hypocrisy of the Ancient One earlier on, and then take this and, and levy it as our real opposing force in the story. Uh, I feel Cassilius was just a distraction, and ultimately every other character bars is strange, suffers for having one at least one too many characters yeah and I'll, I'll agree with you there even if the scene at the beginning is a very interesting scene maybe yeah had it been some sort of rush through time and we we only realize at the end that it is Mordo that she's chasing that could yeah. have been an interesting sequence yeah, that's a great idea right that, where that's we already don't see the guy's cause... face yeah I mean exactly I mean that's something that they that plays heavily into the, the themes time as you were saying is a huge thing that would have been a, a, an amazing yeah. loop that we could have established I, I love that idea I think it's it just it, if we had a little more time to develop the screenplay they would have really seen that they're trying too hard to make Cassilius work when there's such an obvious answer to, to work from in this, you know? Yeah, and I just I agree with the fact that, you know, he did feel too much. Although it's Mad Mickelson, I was yeah, I'm yeah. always in for when he's there. I think it's great, you know. But the the two henchmen that are with him, I'm like, come on, like where Who are the, the followers? Why do we need it's these pointless. weird exactly do we need those people? Yeah. You know, and so yeah. that's why I think that even if what could have been even funner is maybe there was a double crossing. Maybe at the end you'll have this this we'll call it a a, a Mexican standoff between Mordo, who's turned because he now understands what Cassilius has gone through because he feels he's been lied, and they're both against the Ancient One, and they happen to kill. And now Strange has to take them both out. Mordo escapes. You save him for the second movie. He takes down Cassilius, and then he goes off to face Dormammu. That would have been interesting to build yeah. at least one character, as opposed to giving it in that post-credit scene where you're like, "What the hell's he doing to Benjamin yeah, Bratt?" Exactly. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I wanted to mention. I found that uh, post-credit scene to be weak because it felt like it was thrown in, and I would have like they should have added to Mordo's forehead the symbol, the evil symbol, right? That would have made it. I yeah, think but he it doesn't would... go that way though. Uh, right? Yeah, I agree. But uh, give him something, some kind of like new uh, kind of I don't know something Inter uh, intergalactic <laughs> eyeshadow, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always expecting his eyes to cave in, you know, like I thought it was like, <laughs> but I found that that post credit scene to be weak. I didn't, I just, I thought, oh, okay. Like it didn't do anything for me, to be honest. Yeah. No, that's it. I usually we get a little tidbit of information. This only suggests that perhaps he'll be the villain in, in the second movie. 
which yeah. I think is okay. I think it would be interesting to see what they can do with Mordo because Mordo is technically the villain in Doctor Strange. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought it was weird when they when I noticed that Mordo was actually one of his friends in the movie. I was like, "Well, shit, he's the villain. He's the one of the main antagonists. He's like Doctor Strange's Joker in the comic books." And so I was a bit weirded out by it but when i see what they're doing the fact that he feels betrayed although i agree that the scene at the end is a little bit it feels a little bit forced yeah, i understand I why they put it there because it fits in with the character arc right but anyway in terms of negatives for me i have to say that uh giacchino's score took me out of the movie more than once because mm. of the fact that it sounded too much like the star trek theme i was it did. trying to it get did. into it and i was like come on man what the fuck it, you know ha- we talked about this before like hans zimmer did it with gladiator and pirates of the caribbean and i was like dude try to do something else you know the one thing that he did do was he went for like a trippy 60s harpist chord uh instrumentation and uh fun fact uh dr strange appears on the uh cover of saucer full of secrets the pink floyd album and in the movie at one point you hear interstellar overdrive so they went for the psychedelic trippy 60s late 60s uh lsd and what's stanley reading in the bus doors of perception aldous huxley so it's 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 aldous huxley's acid trip basically <laughs> and uh <laughs> so there was a bit of psychedelia there was a psychedelic feel to the movie as well but which i mentioned earlier about when he goes into all those dimensions you know yeah you hear that marvel you should have gotten david gilmore to write mm, the score yeah. it would have been interesting to see that so yeah that was one of my main negatives the fact that the score was a little bit too similar to star trek because it distracted yeah. me I happen to like the new Star Trek movies. I like the theme yeah. that they have yeah. in the new Star Trek movies. And when I heard it, I was like, it it literally pulled me out of the movie. I was like, is that Star Trek? And that broke the illusion I was in. So that was one of the big negatives. Is he maybe, is he overused? Maybe do you think, uh, like I said yesterday, is he the new Danny Elfman? You know, you, you, you're you going to hear them. You're going to hear him in every <laughs> damn action or sci-fi movie or whatever. I don't know. You have a point. It, it, it's true. I mean, like he's in uh, like uh, Jurassic World. He, he, he's They bring him in to recapture old franchise. Yeah, you're right. Like memorable themes and kind of progress them in a modern way. Like he... They keep doing that for him, but I've heard his, you know, one of my favorite soundtracks of last year was uh, Pixar's Inside Out, which he did. And I mean, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous for, soundtrack. For Pixar. So he, he's beautifully creative. I I, I think uh, you've both probably seen the little thesis on the internet of um, the soundtracks of Marvel films not being catchy. And that's because they have this sort of process where they originally use older, memorable themes of other films. And then they have the composer try and recapture that again this to me this was exactly like that it was it's the first time since i heard of that process that i i went to see a marvel film and i think it was way too late to to stop them you know they they clearly had gotten like we've been uh playing the the this this scene with the star trek music it would work and and we got we even got michael chiquito back on yeah, uh, so could you kind of do it again, recapture it with maybe a different instrument and let us know how that sounds? You know, I, it, it already works so well. I don't think there's a yeah. reason to change it, you know, and uh, I, I find that very... I, I don't really care a lot about the Marvel formula thing so much, but that, that uh, still corporate use of music, yep. uh, yeah, that I bothers understand. me quite a bit. But I would say it's the first time that they use a different 
instrument like that like i said the harpist chord that was new that mm-hmm. was new that was different but it's it's sure. forgettable uh, star trek yeah. with strings i couldn't care less i was listening to the theme even at the end with the, the credits and i was like oh christ come on man there must be a better way to to, to, to write a score for dr strange go weird the whole fucking movie's yeah. weird Go weird. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I think one of the other things that I thought was a little bit of a negative, the plot. The plot is not necessarily the most intriguing. Yeah. You know, I was trying to divert my attention to other things which paid dividends like you wouldn't believe. We'll get to that a little bit later when we're talking about the meta- visual metaphors that he does use throughout the film that I thought was interesting. Scott Derrickson, that is. But sure. um, yeah, I thought that, you know, just in terms of the plot, I, I just got disinterested. A lot of what they were doing in terms of arrogance for Doctor Strange of him being an asshole and whatnot. Um, I I don't know why I thought Tony Stark was worse than Doctor Strange in terms of his personality. He is arrogant. Mm. Yes. He knows his stuff. We're talking about how he understands like uh, soundtracks at the beginning while he's operating when he's mean to the other guy. But there is that competition in the medical field that I'm, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I don't know much about that, but I do know people that are doctors and there is that, that competition in the medical field. But sure. what I did kind of pick up, you know, that speech that he gives to Christine about how she, she, she could have been so much more and how she doesn't understand how he's going through and all that. I think that anybody who's been through a severe accident would possibly have that type of reaction to push people away, to live their own misery and things like that. Sure. So feeling him be cruel, I don't think that he was necessarily supposed to come off as someone who's arrogant more than he was supposed to come off as someone who was damaged and trying to rationalize why the damage had been inflicted onto him, which is, I think, a normal reaction than anybody would have had. I felt a little bit more pity towards him than I did think, oh, what an asshole for thinking that. No, he's thinking of himself, which was normal at that point. Tony Stark starts starts off as a an arms dealer. He's a weapons dealer. That's why he's worse than strange, I guess. But they're both. I don't know. That's my idea. Uh, there you go. He started out as like he's a <laughs> war. He kills. No, yeah, that's exactly. I, he kills people, whereas Strange actually tries to, to help. save them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I kind of, I, I, I think that what you're saying about Strange dealing uh, with the, the loss and the sort of futility of of his hands and that nobody can save him, that that being more of a of an emotional thing than an arrogance thing. I, I, I get that. I think that plays into half of the reason why. Christine right. forgives him, or not so much forgives him, but uh, like is ready to reconcile a little as the film goes on. But at the same time, I feel it's it is layered into his character that it's his arrogance that forces him to push her away so so readily, and that he his his blindness to other solutions that's a huge part of what defines his arc in the film per se, which is something I it's weird, but it's a thing I want to talk about when we get to positives. Is is yep. Strange's arc? I don't know. I mean, we. I'm I'm ready to go to positives. Is there anything else negative that you thought? I'll I'll mention one or two other things if you guys don't have anything else. I felt that there were certain go things it. that were rushed. Uh, the training sequences. You yeah. were under the impression that uh, yeah. Strange is in school for about three days. <laughs> And then he just magically shaves, and now he knows his spells. And you're like, okay, I get it. The facial hair helps a lot to study. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, once he once he learns how to shave, then he can you know whiff whiff up some sorcerer's schemes. I thought it was odd that even in the sequence where he's training with Mordo and the Ancient One is watching, 
he gets his ass beaten down by Mordo. And I'd say maybe five minutes later, he's fighting Cassilius and the thugs and he overpowers them. Yep. I was like, how yep. did we go from yep. that mm-hmm. to that in I, uh, so little time? I didn't have a problem with that at all. I, I'll be honest. I thought that um, it just showed how much, how strong and powerful he is when he puts okay. his mind to things. How he can, how he can easily uh, progress beyond what other people do. So I didn't mind that we fast forwarded from his training because realistically, what better way to represent how 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 great a mind he really is than to not really worry too much about how. Well, Wait, he gets says so that he you know? says I have a photographic memory. That's why I passed my. Like he mentions two tests at the same time, some crap yeah. like that, you know. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's crap. that's lazy it screenwriting. Lazy. It's it like is. oh, so, people yeah. know him from Sherlock. He's got a photographic right. memory. It's like fuck that. But there's a throwaway line. I guess uh, they they make a good point of the fact that he got to where he was as a as a surgeon by studying really well and being the best yeah. in general. I think, and plus his hands being innately better than people means that he he is innately good at both memory and physically doing what he needs to do. So I think that his leap there, I think it's kind of justified. Okay. I agree. One last negative then. The last negative that I want to bring up yeah. is when he enters the hospital after being stabbed by one of Cassilius's thugs. And then Christine, he shows up to Christine and Christine, no questions asked. She just asks him, what are you wearing? This guy's been gone for years <laughs> and he appears out of no fucking wear. And that's the first thing she says. What are you wearing? Like, what are you doing here or something like that? I would have been completely just like surprised beyond belief. It's like, I don't want to talk to you. First of all, I have yeah. work to do. I can't just leave and go operate. Well, on. Well, he was all bloody and well, you know, it's her job. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. It's just that I, I, I thought that I, McAdams is surprised. She should have been more surprised, I think, in my opinion, anyway. Oh, yeah. I, I, I definitely agree there. Again, that kind of plays into how the other characters of this story were victims of there being too much going on too yeah. quickly. I think also that plays into your issue with pacing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have time yeah, like, to tell this story. It didn't bother uh, effectively me. Effectively, in, like the, in the perfect way it should have been told. It, it's not a huge thing to me, but I, I agree that Christine is the biggest victim of that uh we we flash forward through a lot of her thought processes and we just accept it and i think you're right to, to call that yep. one out so that's it that would be the biggest negatives for me because in terms of narrative i was like okay it's put together a little bit quickly you know there's less character development and i like the fact that you said that they're they're victims of of what's going on at that point in time uh but you know Overall, I think I'm willing to accept, like you said, I'm just pointing it out because it kind of did fuck with me while I was watching it in the movie theater. However, as I said in my review, Mm -hmm. I am taking much more positives away from this than I am negatives. And that's where I want to kind of steer the conversation now towards the positives. And I want to start with Jason. Start just listing the positives and kind of get into whatever you think is necessary to uh, discuss. Uh, To me, the visual effects are awesome. I mean, it was great. Uh, it was, it was, it was, yep. yeah, they took risks with these, uh, multi-dimensions <laughs> and stuff like that. And, um, the cast, uh, to me, well, Mads Mikkelsen's, uh, character wasn't that, he did serve a purpose. I liked him. Okay, good. 
the overall feel of the movie and it like i mentioned earlier uh it felt like guardians of the galaxy in the sense that yes the comedy beats are sometimes misplaced but it keeps it it keeps it interesting and fun it was just overall a fun movie and it was i loved it and and well about the positives um what else tilda swinton i mean Uh, yeah man huge yeah huge favorite part of the movie i guess second to Cumberbatch or Doctor Strange, to be honest. I don't think you've you've had the chance to discuss your uh, favorite scene. Uh, well, my favorite scene. Well, you see, that's the thing. It was this great scene that was then kind of shit on by the cape. <laughs> but I'll talk about it anyway. And it badly. Yeah, that's right. Yes, and spoiler alert. I know we've said it already, but it's when Tilda Swinton's about to let go, right? So they're having this really deep conversation about immortality and death and everything. And it hit home because in my personal experience, uh, my mother and my father-in-law both died of cancer. And looking at the right. character of um, of um, Tilda Swinton, uh, the, um, the ancient one, with the bald head and the scars, to me, yeah, there was, yeah. there was a, a second degree, like, of, of this, of what cancer patients go through, or people that are knocking on death's door mm. go through, and it was really, really touching, and it hit home really hard, and I was listening to what she was saying, like, if I could stretch this moment even longer, and, like, the reason why she drew power from, like, the dark arts or whatever, and I was like, wow, like, like again, like, God damn it, Marvel! Like you, you're you're putting all these philosophical things into your blockbuster movies, and it works. It works. And uh, then the stu- then the stupid fucking cape. Anyway, that, but I love that scene. That to me, that's that's an amazing thing to kind of because these are, I mean, ostensibly these are for children. And sure. Yep. Generally, these are for mass consumption. You yep. know, these films are for the public. You know, so to even flash forward through a subtext that could be read and i i totally agree as as a, a character uh, you know living their last moment uh, and this parallel with cancer that's i mean incredible yep. and it's definitely uh I, that's that's something that uh, marvel doesn't get enough credit for risk wise is that th- they do approach these grander themes maybe they don't give them the uh the substantial treatment that they really deserve but they introduce them to people who wouldn't usually take the time to think about this thing they don't expect them in their their popcorn you know big budget blockbuster film i uh, i think that's that's a great thing to yeah. take away from that scene and i agree it, it was, was really it, touching it's an incredibly uh, i i i it didn't it didn't hit me as emotionally as it as it clearly but that was my you, experience but I, yeah. I do agree it it is a it was definitely uh i would say the the acting high point of of the film and i absolutely loved tilda swinton's ancient one in this and that's a huge reason why good well i'm glad cool. that you brought up that this was a movie for kids Okay, because I want to get my kids on the show just for a quick minute to get their impressions on how Doctor Strange played for them. Okay, so I'm going to just go like this. And okay, ladies, I want to know. Okay, I'm going to start with Allie. (laughs) And I want to know, how did you find Doctor Strange? It was a really good movie. I really liked it. But in the movie, I thought there was a a bit of a problem in a bit. At the last part when he's in space with... Dormammu? Dormammu, and when he comes back, I think it's while the fight, he doesn't have his ring with... uh, He puts his two fingers... Oh! That is so true! He doesn't have his ring, and he can still 
go uh, what? in between dimensions. You can in still travel. In between dimensions. Yeah, it's a good. It's point. so true. Wow. wow, so true. I was looking at it, and I re I remembered that uh, what's his name again? Or is there, are you talking about Cassilius, the guy <laughs> with the weird eyes? <laughs> yes, yeah, there's it. Okay, Cassilius. 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 Okay. His ring. And he's he can still make this uh, portal. Yeah, the portal. That's what they portal. call it. Yeah, yeah. Portal. Like his ring. Yeah. Okay. Now I'll just ask you a quick question. I want to know if you were to choose a favorite movie in the Marvel universe right now, because you've seen almost all of them. Which one would you say is your favorite? You've seen Captain America. You've seen Captain Winter Soldier. You've seen Civil War. You've seen Ant Man. You've seen the Avengers. I don't think you've seen Avengers too, because Dad I hates that movie. And then, <laughs> but you did see which other ones? Uh, yeah, you guys Iron seen Man. Thor? You've seen Iron Man, no, you're right. We didn't see Thor, though. Okay, we'd, we'd have to put on Thor. Him. So if you got, if you were to choose, which one would you say that you like the That's best? That's a hard question. <laughs> oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. It is. It Bring is. that up. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's right. Oh, yeah. I like Guardians. My kids love Guardians of the Galaxy, by the way. So which one would you choose, baby? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You don't know? All right. Well, think about it. I'm going to go to your sister. What about you? How did you find Doctor Strange? It was... This is Mia, by the way, my, yeah. my eldest daughter. The other one, she's a nine-year-old, and this is the 11-year-old. So um, I thought it was... It was weird but cool. Weird but cool, okay. Weird because of Great. the eye thingy. I didn't quite get what was going on when the... Things were going back and back and back. Right. But um, when he goes to visit oh, Dormammu, oh, the yeah. time okay, stuff. Replaying time. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, yeah. And anyway, it's complex. So uh, it was. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. Okay. And if if you were to choose a favorite in the Marvel universe right now, the ones that you've seen, which one would you say is the best? Definitely Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Nice. Wow. Full nice. of magic. Because I it's really, full of magic. I really, really like that. Okay, cool. And that's it. So you, because it's full of magic and because it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, baby? Did you make up your mind? Yes, I did. Okay. Doctor Strange. It's Doctor. I choose Doctor Strange because it's different than all of the Marvel movies. There you have it. Very good. It's, it is different. There you go. It is. The same thing. Like, we don't see, like, somebody full. How do you say that? Oh, when they're bending the city, yeah, that's it. you know, when the cities, the city, we never yeah. See that. Okay, so you never see that. So you, because no, you've seen Inception, yeah. yes, and you liked Inception very much. Yes, but that's when uh, we fall asleep. That's when we fall asleep. Yeah, but I mean, Doctor Strange, they play with that concept, <laughs> of, like build it, like the buildings are twisted, the landscapes are being tucked and twisted, and all things like yes, that. Yes, but it's not being. They're not asleep. Okay, I understand they're not asleep. I'm just drawing a parallel okay. in the images you've seen. Okay, cool. So, Doctor Strange, you've heard it on both counts. So cool. Wow. Cool. Well, if cool. Thorn or whatever else, I might oh, trust me, you're going to give Doctor Strange to Thor. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because Daddy said so. <laughs> All right, thank you, ladies. Thank you very much for your time. Yay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. That was cool. Yeah. So you've got it. Amazing. From that, that's 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 something I had said in my initial review, and it's something I've been saying since I seen it. This Doctor Strange is going to be a lot of kids' favorite superheroes. I know for a fact. If I, I just I know this. If I had seen this at at their age, maybe even a little young at that. I would love the the magic yeah. and the the portals and the hand gestures. I know me and my friends in the playground, we would be miming it out and having fake battles of each other. I was super into all that stuff, and that that always fascinated me. So I think I've I've held that Doctor Strange. It, it was immediately after seeing it, I thought it was going to be 
kid's favorite superhero so far. And I'm really, it's so surprising to hear it, but ah, it's so great. They were awesome. It's cool. Yeah, I thought it was great <laughs> yeah. too. That's it. I, I mean, they're at an age right now where I can take them to the movie theater to see movies. Not everything that I want to see, but things that I, I am interested and in, in seeing because I have to review them. Uh, and so that's it, which brings me to my positives. My positives, I will say that one of the most positive things about the movie is that I could bring my kids and they enjoyed it. That was one of the main things that I was like, this is really go. cool. They it's were huge. weird imagery that they that they were able to tough through. One of my daughters was actually a little bit sick at one point. I have no idea why. I, I'm a bad father, so I didn't ask. And um, <laughs> I just told her to be quiet. <laughs> Maybe the 3D know. effect? or And uh, what I did, uh, however, enjoy... Uh, and I'll start by saying that I have to echo Jason's sentiments towards Tilda Swinton. She's just amazing. I she, she stole actress. the show. When I you look into her eyes, you're just transported into a different dimension. I think that's why they chose her as the ancient one. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was just watching her act, and it wasn't even acting anymore. I was like, Jesus, where the fuck do you get this? How? You know, in anybody else reading that script could have screwed up those lines, even as cheesy as some lines could have come off. Swinton pulls them off yep. and brings them to a different she place. Pulls them off. One of the best lines is one of the most uncomplicated lines. When she delivers it to Doctor Strange, when I'm going back to the balcony scene that you're talking about, Jason, where yep. she yep. says to him, it's not about you. Just the way she delivers the line. It could have been corny. Yeah, she's but good. But she is... So yeah. good in delivering that it's not about you, that it comes to get you in the chest and it makes you think, Christ, she's yep. right. Undebatable. And so yeah. it was a beautiful performance. And she kicks ass. <laughs> and the look yeah, and the look on her face when uh Mordu was so Mordo, Mordu anyway, he was so disappointed, like, so it's true, you did, you know, play with the dark arts or whatever, and she's like, uh, uh, like she, there's a yeah. this, she's, she's not saying a thing. This panic. It's the eye. Yeah. She's like, "Yep, sorry, you know, busted." But the, but it's not in a funny way. It's really like, "Uh oh, she's screwed," you know. And it's it, she does it yeah. perfectly. Well, yeah, yeah, and she great. she does keep it inside. She knows that she's done something wrong. She didn't mean to do something wrong. But she's also showing, I think, through the facial expression that you're talking about, that she isn't perfect. No matter how perfect they nope. see this being, she is also at fault. But she thinks that she's doing, you know, it, it, it puts her almost on the same wavelength as Cassilius, where you're like, they're doing things they think are yep. right. And so the ancient one, no, it depends on your point of view. It's a whole Obi-Wan thing again, right? Where you're like, it depends yeah, on yeah, your point definitely. of view. And so that was one of the main things. But I think that my biggest positive is director Scott Derrickson. I mm. Did not know much about him. I knew that he had uh, directed the uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose. I think that's what her name is. Yeah, that's I right. know that he directed Sinister, which is a, a horror film that my uh, Leslie watched. My girlfriend Leslie watched, and she loved. She thought it was creepy as fuck. And hmm. I don't remember the other movie he directed. It was a little bit more mainstream, uh, and it's it's just slipped my mind. So I, I hadn't necessarily seen much of his work. And I have to say that this guy's impressive. Is impressive because. A lot of the times when you're watching movies, and this is not a knock on other directors, when you're watching a lot of movies today that deal with this type of action, there isn't much to the visuals. There are certain things that are suggested here and there. You know, uh, I mean, if you take the Russos, for, for example, when we were talking about a Captain America Civil War, when I pointed out the, the, the prison imagery that's throughout the movie, 
I was like, those are responsible directors because they're able to communicate visually uh, a little bit of what's going on throughout the movie. Scott Derrickson turns that all the way up on Overdrive by taking the idea of microcosmic and macrocosmic and then multiplying it on these different layers, these interdimensional layers that we see throughout the movie go all the way down to Doctor Strange's watch. And I thought it was brilliant for him to explore the concept of time using the visuals but just under our noses for a mainstream audience that is going to watch the movie they won't gonna they're not gonna pick up onto these things and that's not a knock on them this yeah, movie no, is definitely no. made for a mainstream audience but for a guy like me that has to distract himself from the formula and get something more out of it that's where i gave it the best result i could with a 4.5 on 5 i'm sorry if i'm giving it away already <laughs> because i was impressed at how much visual language the metaphors that he was using were so brilliant mm. that it got me thinking, Jesus, this guy knows how to communicate visually and it's all the better for it. You talked, you talked about the script a little bit earlier, Lee, and how you know some of the dialogue, some of the lines and whatnot were ne- not necessarily uh, – they could have been polished a little sure. bit more. And I think Jason mentioned that mm-hmm. to me as well. He, the, the dialogue could have been polished a little bit more. Yeah. But I think he more than makes up with it with the visual language of absolutely. Film. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, about that. it's it's um it's something it's uh it's something that I I I I was interested to kind of figure about uh, what the watch the interpretation of the watch was. You know, I, I was glad that even if I didn't have to sit down and work it out, I was glad it was there. I was glad that there was something more to the film that the film wasn't telling us. You know, Strange only mentions that he has a lot of affection for the watch, basically. And that's it. Uh, I was kind of thinking yeah. at some point he was going to cheaply use his, his magic to fix it at some point, you know, and that he'd be like, that was how he could... It was going to be some indication of how strong or he was becoming in his montage, you know, that he was like, yeah, I can fix broken shit, you know? That was going to be like the... <laughs> yeah, you know, right. that, was going, that was going to be it, you know? I, oh, I, I couldn't fix watches before, <laughs> you know? I, I, I thought that was as deep as we were going to go, but that doesn't happen, you know? The, he, he he keeps the, the watch with him. Uh, I liked to, to look at it as a sort of... Represent- it's a reminder. Yeah, exactly. As, as a reminder, as a representation of the person he was and as and he keeps it on him even though he is now head to toe and all this magical garb and all these trinkets and relics and so on that he still keeps one little indicator of the man and the life that he lived before he became the you know the the sorcerer supreme i uh i was very happy that someone was giving a crap about you know the little bits and pieces and the little tiny characterization that uh that's explored through mostly silent visuals so I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, I find it weird. You think it's, he keeps it as a trinket as who he was as an individual? I, I think so, too. Maybe... I think so, too. And the fact that it's wow, broken. Okay. The fact that it's broken is a reminder. Because in my review, I don't know. In my review, I get into the fact that there are hands on the watch and they represent oh. his hands as yeah. well, right? And of course so they do. what I was explaining is, is that the hands on the watch that have stopped moving represent him as well. The fact that he can no longer use his hands as a surgeon. But I feel that he keeps the watch not necessarily as a reminder of who he was, but how far he's come. Sure. The idea that he doesn't necessarily need to fix the watch because time is no longer something he needs uh, to, to, it sounds weird to say, waste time on. But he doesn't necessarily need to pay that much attention to it because he has now morphed that point of view that he has where he used to be a, a prisoner to time he is now a person that knows how to manipulate sure. it 
the cracked glass on the top of it shows the mirror the mirror place that he usually goes yeah. in to travel where he can actually manipulate that's, time and the outside clever. world won't see him. Yeah. That's it. That, for me, not fixing the watch is more a question of like he he realizes he doesn't need to fix it because it's no longer yeah. a relevant thing. I He's think you're both right. Knowing how to work it. I, that's what I'm going to say is that I don't think what you're saying uh, disagrees. I, I think that, that that's kind of the yeah, same. We're, you're saying it with okay, more yeah, I get it. context, but it's the same end. Like if you're looking at uh, the that what you're saying is that it no longer represents him. You know, that's yeah. the point. You know, that's that's because he has moved past that person. He's now a right. different person, but he keeps it with him. It's not relevant as such for what he has to do. But if there's got to be an understanding of why he keeps it, it's because if anything, it represents him at his lowest point, you know, or the broken watch, the broken hands. That was him before he, he found something in his life that gave him an extra purpose. Right. Uh, that's I kind of think it's the same along the same yeah. and you, obviously you explained it incredibly well and I love your thesis on time here but uh, I, I think that they come to the same end as such well okay cool I'd say time is both his weapon and his salvation in the sense that pre pre broken strange wears time on his you know wrists as a luxury and it's a luxury watch right like it's it's all these wonderful yeah. spinning watches yeah. And then he uses it again on his wrist once again to fight. So they're both, they're, he's using it both as a weapon, as salvation, as his, it's what saves him. It's what breaks him. It's, it's, it's the essence of who he is. I think Strange is who he is because of time. That's my two cents. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he's actually wearing the watch when he fights Dormammu. He's wearing the eye of, uh, he's wearing, he's using the eye of uh, Agamotto. Agamotto. He's, he's adjusting something oh, on his yeah. wrist. But that—that's the fun part when you're when you're bringing up time, yeah. which you mentioned earlier. I think that that's where you see the manipulation of time is where he actually was able to use the eye of, uh, of Agamotto as a watch. Yeah. But then at the end of the movie, when he decides to put the eye back, that's when he puts on his older watch as well as the reminder that you're talking about. You know, now that he he knows cool. how to manipulate the other one, he can go back to just it's a token leading this. I thought that was fun. I mean, I think like that fits I said, in pretty nicely. Yeah. yeah, it was cool that I, you know, the evolution of being a surgeon on a on a microcosmic level, you know, altered uh, altering time for his patients, giving them more time, you know, being able to slow it down. I thought that using it with a bullet in the guy's head, yeah. literally dodging a bullet in this case, right? Actually being able to take it out. Okay, he did stop a bullet, and in the end, you know, by saving all those people, I think we. And I want to get to what you're talking about the character arc. This is where I'm headed. The mm. when when Strange's character arc comes full circle, you know, you'll have him going from the microcosmic surgeon of stopping one individual from dying to the interdimensional surgeon, where he realizes that it's no longer about him. What the ancient one says, and he uses time not to fix his hands, but to repair the damage and save lives. Right. That's. The arc that I thought was interesting, and it all goes through the watch. So I want to get your, your. You were talking about the character arc, Lee. I want to. I want to hear that. Yeah, that's my. That's my biggest positive of the film. It's because it's the thing that interests me the most about the narrative, and it's the exploration of of Stephen Strange himself. And it it plays into that uh, that notion you're kind of speaking of there. The the way in which yes, I agree to, that he um his his position in life does change. Yes, he uh, he moves from individual doctor. With the goal of furthering his own individual, you know, uh, uh, career as such, to this 
Yeah, exactly. To this sort of all all guardian kind of type where he's supposed to protect the planet for reasons, you know? Uh, but what I found interesting of it is that I don't necessarily think he takes the Ancient One's warning specifically. And I think that's really interesting. So if you think about where he starts in the film, uh, he's, he's this arrogant, self-obsessed career-driven professional surgeon you know he's very in- insulated uh insular yeah and he uh he uh, you would, yeah uh, absolutely uncaring as to the individuals it's about him agreed but i don't think by the end he's actually changed and that's what i i find interesting about his character he does help more people he does do it on a wider scale and he does carry now a sense of duty with him that he may not might not have um explored very well as a surgeon that he wasn't doing it like the way that uh christine does it uh you know it wasn't being like a nurse as such you know getting just taking you know people who need help as they come he's doing it because uh it's, it's his job and he wants it for him but the way that he doesn't take any warnings in his learning to continue to uh, abuse like the the artifacts he gets you know he, ab- he abuses time uh, and he's warned not to yeah. he's he's he uh he abuses like uh, the relics he gets you know he gets his cape that basically does all the fighting for him he uh he messes with he's told not to go into the big portal at all he's he's told not to fight things like Dormammu he's not ready he ignores people because he sees that as the next step for him as Sorcerer yep. Supreme, you know, that's him moving up in the ladder of his accomplishments as the great Sorcerer Supreme. And I don't think he ever really assesses his role as something that isn't for him, as the film kind of lets us look that, yes, he is doing more and he's doing better, but it's not. The Ancient One kind of lets him, it gives him a slap on the wrist and says, yeah, but, you know, you can still do this for you, just do it better. You know, there's, why would you go back to being a surgeon when you know so much more now? You know, that, that kind of interpretation, you know, there is so much more to gain in your intellectual endeavors. Why stop now and go back to where you were? I feel that connected with him more than any sort of warning that, or do it for the right reasons. I think he still does it for him. Uh, I think he's still self-obsessed. I think that this kind of comes across as a burden, but he still wants to convince himself at the end of the day. Yes, he, Stephen Strange, is the Sorcerer Supreme, the new Ancient One, the new guy who comes in and solves everyone's problems, uh, and nobody else. Uh, and that's his role now, and that he's doing it to further his exploration of the magic arts, and that he wants to really, he wants to be the protector of Earth in that sense. I think that's that's something that's kind of ballsy for, for a Marvel film to give to kids, and that it's okay... To be a intellectual snob as such, it's okay to be um, selfish and self-driven, just so long as you're still helping people yeah, at the end of the day. For the greater good. And you're not hurting people. Yeah, if you're not hurting people actively, then there's not really much you can say against it, you know? <laughs> I think that's pretty much like a... That's a, that's a modern way of thinking of, of, our, of our heroes as such. He's not a martyr. He's not doing this because of the greater good. He is doing it because he wants to do it. Uh, and I think that's that's something we don't really see enough of. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. And something yeah. that's pretty interesting. So you're... Yeah, so I, I that's that was something I... Yeah. So you're encouraging kids to be assholes as long as they're good? That's But that's what Why I'm saying. Not? It's not... He's <laughs> Why not? not? <laughs> an asshole. Why not? <laughs> but 
He's still, he's not hurting anybody. I know. That's what I mean. He's actively helping people. He's just arrogant in how he does it. And that's kind of, it would be rich of screenwriters and artists and on film companies to be pushing out a message that give it all. Just go out, you know, you're an apostle. Keep it, it's not, no, it's not for you. It's for, it's for everybody. That's coming from these big studio features. That's hypocritical to say that you can't be a driven, self-imposing person, you know. That these messages are about them making the next best film. Yeah. Really. I'll, you know, cool. uh, I'll support you in what you're saying. Okay. I think that I just want to put a little twist on it. And I'll bring up what, what Tilda Swinton, the ancient one, sure. says to him. You're staring at the world through a keyhole. And I think that that encapsulates a little bit of how Doctor Strange views his role in the world. And how that view has changed yeah. by the end of the film. I understand that you're saying that the arrogance that he has is is still there. He's still fundamentally Dr. Stephen Strange, the guy who was a prick. But like I said, to me, given the fact that he did show emotion, that he did kind of travel uh, throughout his experience, sorry, uh, the, the, the multi-dimensional experience that he had with Dormammu and... and you know, learning all the spells and trying to understand. I think, however, like when you have that scene with the apple, he's starting to notice that looking through the keyhole isn't necessarily the best way to go about things. And the keyhole sure. represents also how he sees patients doing them one at a time, right? Because that's the limit of his vision. He can't see past one mm-hmm. at a time. At and that it's moment. how his life impacts one life. What she's trying to get him to see, and I'll support what you're saying, is to look beyond the keyhole and open the fucking door <laughs> so that his life as one can impact many people. Many lives. I, well, galaxies, I get with basically. That. So that's the thing. I, so I'll go I, along I, with I, what I, you're saying. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But I, I still think the reason he ends up changing this perspective is because it will make him feel better about himself. You, you think know? so? Really? Okay. He's not altruistic. No, he's he's no altruist. He's a he is doing this for him. I still think that at the end of the film, I I, I mean, even if you want to take in the the post credit thing because it's the last bit of characterization we have, he goes on to be basically Sherlock of the Marvel world. You know, he takes cases and he wants to do it because they're challenging. He's still him. Yeah, he's just I agree. better at it. I agree. He's he's got a wider view of it. I I think there's something still very singular about this character. I think that the way he doesn't progress as we expect him to, but he actually takes the advice on and furthers his understanding of himself and the world, but maintains that uniqueness, that arrogance of his own. I think that's more interesting as a character development than just saying, uh, yeah, he goes from A to B because, you know, or A to C because of B, you know? He's changed. I think that's... We need more films like that. Yeah. Okay, I get it. He buries the old, strange, you know. No, I think it's. I think that's. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Cool, but then at at that in that sense, then it does kind of throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into the formula aspect because if we have a character arc where he is actually one thing at the beginning of the movie and he's just the same thing at the end of the movie but with better perspective then we have a character that hasn't necessarily moved and we're supposed to still see him as an asshole is what you're saying he's just a good one he's okay an, he's an intergalactic asshole now. yeah that's that's exactly <laughs> it i don't think that's really shaking the formula though because i feel oh, that yeah, but... the iron man sequels further give us perspective that iron man never really changed no, he doesn't change okay so they've condensed it down into one runner. In the first film, he does have a change of heart after he's left in the desert. So, and it does change him. He does keep his arrogance, but it, you know. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think that Peter this, Quill. This is a following of Peter it. Quill keeps his arrogance. But uh, I, I think with Peter Quill, he learns to embrace others 
and and he he forms yeah. friendship and that's that is a change you know yeah. that is that changes his his role in in the universe he is now not just a total selfish person he picks and chooses between the battles that's his kind of final say on the matter right yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think that it's it's another interesting hero for the detriment of every other character in the story. Uh, I think that Strange, this is Strange's story, and I think they do a good job really cementing an interesting character that is not, a little deeper, a little different from what we've seen so far. And I, I like that. All right, Lee. Well, I'll admit to maybe I was looking through the keyhole, <laughs> <laughs> and now you've enabled me to kick down the door. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing this one again. I want to go honest. see it again too. We let's go see it together. <laughs> yeah, maybe because there's a bunch of movies coming up right now with Arrival. Yeah. And, and, uh, oh yeah. We had maybe Allied on our it's thing. Be fun. Like, Jesus. But. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else left to say on Doctor Strange? We, we talked about the visuals. Everyone's talking about the visuals. But I, I mean, is there really anything we need to say other than the fact that it's amazing? It's fun. It's fun to see it. If you can see, see it on an IMAX screen, I agree 100%. I agree. But I think that, you know, with what we just said, with like breaking Doctor Strange down, that that to me is what I really wanted to get out of this show Yeah. Uh, today, you know. So I don't know. Is there anything else that you guys would like to add to what your experience with Doctor Strange was? <laughs> No, I think we've. I think in no? the broad sense we've done we, our. We've, we've done our. Right. I think we should go for um, final recommendation score. Okay, Jason, let's start with you. Final recommendation and score. Well, I was surprised by your four point five. I'm going to go with that too. Four point five out of five. There you go. Overall, overall fun and that's uh, it. The fact that Lee mentioned that he's a different kind of hero. He keeps his arrogance. He understands now that he there's he has to use his powers for the greater good, but he still remains true to to himself, which is being a prick because he knows <laughs> he can afford to be because he's that he's that good. And exactly, that's fun. it's refreshing, and it was it was a refreshing movie. And uh, Rachel McAdams, one last thing, not a damsel in distress, not a she is a surgeon, she is a professional, brilliant, uh, you know, and that's cool too. Right. I mean, our daughters need role models and whatnot and uh and they have the ancient ones as well i yeah i don't want to get into the whitewashing stuff but she is an accepted <laughs> exceptional actress she's an exceptional actress and i think that forgives that point it, it it does oh absolutely i got into a i got into an argument on twitter yesterday with that but no i'm glad you brought it up i mean we could address that just quickly i mean i did talk about the whitewashing with the guy on twitter yesterday okay. and i said you know this is a point where marvel is either damned if they do or damned if they don't absolutely you know the idea if ever they decided to cast an old an old asian man in the role then they'd be accused of stereotyping and typecasting for that type of thing and now they've put a a female in the role who's white and then they're 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 like oh you're not you're not you're having these people you're using just white people so I mean, to me, the the it it took balls to just cast a woman in the role in exactly. the first place, and I congratulate them for that. Absolutely. And to me, it would have taken away so much had it been somebody else, because Tilda Swinton is the best thing in this movie. She is, you yeah. know. And so I don't, you know what, whitewashing my ass in this case. I congratulate Marvel for actually going and saying, "Listen, let's go with what we think is right," and they did, and that's great. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Derrickson said he was given the option of two, yeah, lesser of two evils, and I, I totally agree. 
That's uh, that's my two cents on that. There you go. Uh, final score. Good. What about you? Final thought? Yeah. I um, again. I think if you have kids and they can stomach a little bit of violence and a little bit of uh, bandy visuals, there's a favorite superhero waiting for a good majority of them. So that's that's the main thing to take away. But also for the adults that are interested in the in the Marvel universe, I think that this is a solid entry. I think it's. Off to a better start than a lot of the solo films of, of the Marvel Universe. Uh, I'm actually interested in a sequel. And I have no basis of knowing what to expect next. Because I have no basis in the universe that Doctor Strange inhabits. So uh, it, it literally, I, I, don't have a, uh, I don't have an investment here or expectation. I'm really excited to see what happens. It, it has now established a world with a lot of cool rules. There's more to go, you know. There's more stories I to agree. tell there, I agree. and there's more, more to see, and more characters to live there, and I, that's what I want to see. But for this film, I, uh, I thought it was really fun. I had a great time with it, you know. I don't think it's a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think oh, no, not at all. if this is the quality of, you know, if you're comparing this to your your blockbuster quality, what you expect when you go to the cinema, what you get your money's worth. <laughs> It's hard to imagine really not enjoying or getting your money's worth in this case. Uh, so I give it a a, a minus on a ten point scale. It's like an eight. Uh, I think it it really does. It holds that bar well. It's not. Uh, I I was sold on the world. I was sold on the characters, and I think there's just enough extra there to really make this. And I, we can call this a film. All right, not a movie. Put it that way. Yeah, Jason. I agree wholeheartedly. To me, this movie had no right being as fun as it was exactly i agree and i I applauded the fact that they were at balls to the wall nuts on the visual effects and on the visual metaphors like i said bringing in the extra dimension they were like you know what let's throw everything we can at the screen see what sticks and then ride on into the sunset from there yes the story is flimsy it's an origin story we've seen many times over and over and over again and i mean it's not just the Marvel formula. It's just the origin story, slightly coming of age story yeah. that we've grown used to in the latter part of, of our existence. I mean, movies are movies. We've been watching movies for over 100 yeah. years now. And I mean, these stories have been told over and over again. It's how they're told that's important. And how Doctor Strange is told for me, not necessarily from a narrative standpoint, but from a visual standpoint is what got my attention. And that's why I can't recommend this movie enough. It is a marvel, no pun intended, to watch (laughs) in the movie theater on an IMAX screen the size of a goddamn building. Go see it. Go the 3D route. Mom, do not go see this movie in IMAX. You will be (laughs) sick. Vertigo. Guarantee it. Anyone with vertigo. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so I, I did give this... A movie 4.5 on 5 uh please go see it i might decide to shell out to see it again but arrival is coming and i really want to go see that mm. hacksaw ridge is out and i really want to see that too but like i said i think doctor strange is probably one of the my, my favorite marvel movies now just for the sheer enjoyment of the weirdness that my kids expressed there you go it's strange and like my daughter's the youngest one said it's different yeah, no matter different. how alike it seems to the other movies, it is the, fundamentally different. The kids different. can tell. I give it the highest recommendation. Like I said, 4.5 on 5 because, like I said, story-wise, plot-wise. It's no masterpiece. Meh. But <laughs> no. just the experience of seeing it's it in fun. a movie theater. Jesus, it was so much fun. There you go. Exactly. So that's it. You wanted to say something, Jason? Well, uh, about the uh, the other dimensions, do we know if, if they're like 
different versions of the same characters or we don't know about that right well, i don't know dr strange in the comic is there more books, than I one mean, doctor strange there... or more than one iron man or we don't know right could be. I, I don't know if there's a Bizarro Iron Man, but uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I'll, I'm hoping, like, if we want to delve into like part two, you know, Doctor Strange part two, I'd love to see guys like Warlock show up or even Mephisto show up. These other yeah. galactic beings, you know, we could actually even bring the Silver Surfer into it if Fox could just give them the goddamn yeah. rights from the Fantastic yeah, Four, you know. And so I think that would be cool. And now Captain Marvel's on its way. That you know, the fact that she's an alien. Most I don't know if they're going that route. I haven't read like anything. I'm trying to stay a little bit outside. Yeah. But Captain Marvel would be an alien. I heard Miss Marvel too. Miss Marvel is coming. Maybe like a really just show up like a cameo or something in the um, Avengers movies. I think. I think. Oh, awesome! I, I love Miss Marvel. Marvel. Right. I know that Brie Larson is going to be Captain Marvel, and so that's cool. Bringing her in for to fight in the other dimensions, and then Feige said that she's possibly going to be the strongest character in the Marvel universe. I'm looking forward to this, and cool. I love the fact that they were able to break the ice by using yeah. Doctor Strange. So I can't recommend it enough. Great cool. wrap up time. Cool. I guess that wraps up the show for today. Thanks for having cool. me, Jason. Yeah, thank you so much yeah, for coming by. Great man. to have this you on the show. Fun. That's it. So tell people where they can find you, Jason. Oh, at uh, J Bollier on Twitter, basically J A Y B E A U L I E U at twitter.com. Great. Excellent. Cool. And so, Lee? Uh, yeah, you can see uh, my reviews on bigpicturereviews.co.uk. Uh, again, not just me writing on it. We've got other writers, and they're fantastic. And also, uh, you can see me on Twitter at bigpicreviews. So, uh, yeah, say hi. Cool. And I've been Jason Michael. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Doctor Strange episode. I want to thank Jason for being our guest. Thank Lee, you. always a pleasure. You can find me at film underscore faculty on Twitter. We please go read the review on Doctor Strange that I posted on Film Faculty. We also have reviews for The Accountant and Hacksaw Ridge uh, by uh, Ashley Davis and David Hart, respectively. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to interacting with you guys again. Please, again, go comment on the tracks on SoundCloud. Uh, we want to interact with you guys to get a little bit more uh, feedback as to what we're doing. I want to give a big shout out to Mini Media Reviews. You guys have been awesome. Yeah. The Nerd on Nerd podcast again. I had a pleasant time with you guys this week. A big shout out to In Session Film. We had a, a really fun time on in, on Twitter with you guys this week. And um, yeah. Oh, and Uche. Thanks, man. I loved uh, talking to you the, just this afternoon. Um, while we were, Just before we were recording, Uche reached out to me and he was like, he says, how the fuck do you pick up on all the shit that you pick up? You, you know? I was like, I don't know. It's just the way my mind works. So thank you so much for, for being encouraging, man. Review. I love the fact that you that you enjoy the, 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 the stuff that I, I'm able to put out there. So I want to thank both of you guys again. Hey, thanks. Uh, thank you to your kids. Thank you, thanks to thanks your, the kids. kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Me and Allie, me and Allie. again. Hey, girl, girls, come say bye-bye. So would you guys recommend Doctor Strange? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So this is us saying bye-bye from the ASC podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See us. Conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.
What about you, Jason? What do you think about that? Well, yeah, that's what I that's why I'd mentioned. It's like it hits all the right, you know, beats. Like even though it's not a perfect movie, there's just something about it that, you know, that I'll say it that DC is not doing at all. I mean, I just can't I kept I, I'm watching this movie no. and I keep thinking No God that's, damn that's it. not our that's a, we have rules. Okay. <laughs> we have rules. All right. We have rules. Well, You're not we allowed to make DC comparisons. <laughs> no problem. But I just I just it's like This is a good blooper. <laughs> I just I just can't I can't bring myself to, to it's like good luck to them because they just I don't know how they do it, but those guys Chop 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 Those chop, guys chop. <laughs> That's enough. No, but that's at Marvel no but I mean okay, about the studio stuff, fine. <laughs> Back to the movie itself. <laughs> yeah, that's what we wanted. We stick to the movie. If we're talking about the MCU, we talk about the MCU. We don't bring no DC into problem. it because we're just so fucking tired of hearing all of people talk about the comparing and blah. No It doesn't problem. matter. Let You're not DC wrong play at problem. all. You're no, really not wrong. It's just that we are not. We, we have rules. <laughs> <laughs> we, should have, we should have explained the rules. I, blo- I broke the first and second rule. Um, <laughs>